Uh, Today's scripture comes from Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 2 through 9. We're going to be kind of going over uh, some some of the different passages in Exodus, but this is the part that we'll read this morning. But because of that, we encourage you to have a a Bible ready, Um, whether you you have a Bible app or uh, you have a physical Bible. uh, We'll give you a moment to open there to Exodus chapter 6, 2 through 9. We're going to be reading in the ESV, and may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, by, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, we're continuing in our sermon series, Firm Foundation. Today's message is God of Wonders. And, uh, you know, I wonder on days like this, maybe when you woke up this morning and you saw some of the snow falling, did you have a sense of wonder? Uh, I, I know for my kids, I could hear them. They're like, snow! And, and I have to be honest, when I looked out and saw the snow, my first thought was like, ah, oh, I got to drive to church. <laughs> Hope the roads aren't that bad. You know, uh, I have to say, though, that, uh, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of us, we lose that sense of childlike wonder. But there was one time where there was snow when I was an adult, where I did have a sense of wonder. So it was my sophomore year. Uh, I went to uh, college in Cleveland. And uh, Cleveland, like Ann Arbor, sometimes gets a lot of snow. And it was actually the first weekend in November. And uh, it's the most snow I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we, we got four feet of snow over the weekend. I'm not kidding. Four feet of snow, right? Uh, shut down everything, right? Like just about everything was closed. Except for my school, Case Western Reserve University. We didn't get a single snow day. <laughs> I was probably the most excited about the possibility of not having to go to school. But, you know, one can dream. But I have to say, though, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it was because of, like, how much snow there was, but it kind of brought out the child in everyone. So, like, the entire week, you'd see people making snowmen or snowwomen, I don't know, uh, and they would be, like, having snowball fights. And, you know, later in the week when all the roads were clear, but there's still, obviously, a lot of snow on the ground, um, one of my friends was picking me up. I, I forget what we were doing, going to get dinner or go to church or something. And it was at night, and uh, he picked me up in front of my dorm. And uh, we were going into, there's like a roundabout where you can just like turn around. And there were a bunch of uh, students just like, like they were having a snowball fight. And they saw our car because like, you know, they could see the headlights. 
And, you know, my friend was, like, trying to figure out, like, oh, do we have enough room to turn around because there's all these people, like, having a snowball fight? And they just kind of paused and looked at us and, like, you know, like, dear students, cotton headlights. And they were, like, holding the snowballs like this. And you could kind of tell. They're like, do we throw snowballs at a strange car? And my friend, he, like, puts the car in park, and he looks at me, and he's like, let's go. And he runs out of the car, like, before I can even say anything. And he starts picking up snow and just throwing at them. They're total strangers. We have no idea. And I'm just like, okay, we're doing this. And I run out. And we're just like, ah! Like, seriously, like, screaming like children and just, ah! And it was kind of fun, except for, like, you know, we were, like, way outnumbered. There was, like, 20 people, you know? And at one point, like, this dude, like, seriously was, like, picking up snow. I don't know how I got on the ground, but I was on the ground. He's picking up snow like this and dumping it on me. So, like, snow everywhere. But the point is, man, like, we were like children. You know, I don't know if it takes four feet of snow to do that. But, you know, I, I think it's something that we've remarked on in the past and probably you've noticed that we do tend to lose a sense of wonder. You know, maybe not just wonder at the world, like, you know, oh, the world is so wonderful. But I think we also lose a sense of wonder in God. You know, maybe the, the, the more that we go on in this Christian life, you know, maybe there was a time where you would hear certain songs or you would be in worship and, and just you would be in, in awe of the splendor of God, of the glory of God. Your hands would be up. Your eyes would be closed. You'd be like swaying to the music. Man, I can remember moments like that. I was just like, God, you are awesome in majesty. Do you feel like that anymore? What happened? What happens to us to kind of lose that sense of wonder in God? Is it coronavirus? <laughs> Maybe. You know, brothers and sisters, I don't mean to say like, like that there's anything surprising about the fact that as we get older, we lose a sense of wonder in God. You know, God of miracles. We're going to talk in this passage uh, today about a God of miracles who could literally do incredible things. I mean, you think four feet of snow is impressive? I mean, you know, compared to what the Israelites saw and how they were delivered from Egypt, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. But I want to ask you this question as we read this passage. Do you believe that this is possible? Do you actually believe that God is a God of miracles? And I have to be honest, even for me as a pastor, there are times where I'm like, okay, well, God, that's how you moved back then. You know, it was a different time. You know, you had to show your power in different ways. And now we're in a, I don't know, a more sophisticated time. It's a different time. Maybe a more skeptical time. Maybe we don't see the wonders of God because we don't even know that they're wonders. We've explained them away. I don't know. But something happens to us, right? And, and I want to actually look at this passage right now because you're going to see something happen to the Israelites. You're going to see a change in them where they go from wonder to disbelief. And we're going to see what happens here. So Exodus chapter 3, like I said, we're going to be kind of jumping around. Uh, so Exodus chapter 3, this is picking up from what we saw uh, uh, last time. So God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, if you guys remember, right? And then he proclaims that he is going to rescue Israel. And this is what he says, what God says to Moses. He says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders 
the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. God is even saying, I am a God of wonders. I will show you my wonders. Right? So, you know, in many ways, uh, what you see in the story of the Exodus is it's a kingdom battle. Right? The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Egypt. The kingdom of Pharaoh. Right? It's a king battle. Who has more power? And in many ways, what incentive does the, 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 the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, have to let the people of Israel go? He has no incentive. And God is saying, I'm going to have to force him, right, by my wonders. And so, you know, obviously, uh, uh, we, we mentioned this last week, you know, uh, Moses had some misgivings. He's like, how can I go to Pharaoh? How, how can I even go to the people of, of Israel? Why would they listen to me? And God gives Moses signs, miraculous signs. And so if you guys remember, there's a few, but one of them was he had a staff. He would take the staff and he put it on the ground and the staff would turn into a snake. Pretty cool, right? And so with all of these signs, he went to the leaders of Israel, the elders, and he showed these signs before them. And so it says here, Exodus 4.30, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped, right? This is like little Steve at the retreat, you know, just, just kind of like bowing in worship and just, just at the wonder of the glory of God. Yes, this is appropriate, right? This is why I, I, I use bright colors for these slides, right? This is the people inappropriate awe and wonder, right? I mean, wouldn't you, if you saw a staff fall on the ground and turn into a snake, right? So they see the wonders of God. They're appropriately worshipful. But then something happens. What happens? Well, Moses goes to talk to Pharaoh. And how do you think that goes? Not well, right? So, so th- we're going to pick it up, Exodus chapter 5. Now I went back to the black slides because <laughs> this, this is going to be tougher, tougher stuff here. So this is what Pharaoh says because uh, basically Moses says, let us go out and worship the Lord. And he's like, oh, you got all this time to worship? Well, that must mean that I'm not giving you enough work. And this is what he says. You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. So this was incredibly cruel because in making of bricks back then, uh, they would use river clay. And the the, the river clay, it it was very, um, it, it would dry very easily. And so they would put straw in there. And when you would put straw in there, the bricks would become a lot harder. And it wouldn't take as long to, to, to dry, but they wouldn't be as brittle. If you didn't use straw, sometimes those bricks would kind of disintegrate. So Pharaoh, in many ways, is making uh, their work much, much harder, right? And he, he even says, you must still deliver the same number of bricks. Remember, now the bricks will not dry as quickly. Now their work is longer. It's harder. There's going to be a lot of bricks that they deliver now that will crumble, Right? And so the foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them 
as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And I put a sword in their hand to kill us. So something happens, right? They, they, now they're mad. Now they're upset, right? And then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to the, this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. So gone is that festive mood in the bright slides, right? Like it's gotten worse. You know, Pharaoh's, uh, or uh, Moses is like, God, you should have just not sent me at all. I, sh- I should have never said anything. But it's not the end of the story, right? And so this is the response. Uh, what we read in, in uh, Exodus chapter 6 uh, this morning is the response of God. So let's look at what God says. He says, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. What does he mean by that? Remember, in the last week's passage, God reveals his holy name. I am that I am. I am an eternal God. There is no one like me, right? There's no one who existed from the beginning of time who was never created, who will always exist. I am powerful. I am omnipresent. I am here with you, right? And he said, I also establish my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, a good land, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I've remembered my covenant. The Israelites have kind of forgotten the wonders of God, but God remembers. Even when we forget, God remembers, right? And he's like, remember, remember all the ways that I've been good to, to your, um, your, your mothers and your fathers, right? Remember the promises I made? I haven't forgotten. And he says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This phrase here, I, you will be my people and I will be your God, is in many ways, this is a preview of the covenant that God is going to make with the people of Israel, right? When we say Old Testament, another way of saying that is Old Covenant, right? That this is the promise that God makes that it appears in the law. This is a preview of the law. You, if you will be my people, I will be your God, right? We're going to have this special relationship that will never be broken, right? And so uh, this is a preview of that. And and so he says, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. How do you think the people respond to this? Remember before, they were happy. They were joyful. But verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. It was happy, happy, joy, joy before. 
right? It's still the same God. God, you know, Moses is speaking to them, and he probably, uh, you know, Moses and Aaron, they're speaking, and he probably still has the staff. Remember this? Remember the snake? Remember the power of God? But the people, they can't listen. Why? We're told that they have a broken spirit. Brothers and sisters, you know, th- there isn't any kind of like harsh judgment here. You know, basically, that uh, uh, God tells Moses to now go and perform the wonders. He doesn't rebuke the people. He doesn't punish the people. It's almost like God knows. You know, I think we all have a breaking point, don't we? You know, we all have a point where your spirit breaks. What is the spirit about? The will, Right? You probably heard me talk about this before. <laughs> what do spirits do? Adam, what do spirits do? Spirits lead. Yes. You guys have a hard time remembering that if you know the song Oceans? Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Right? <laughs> spirits lead. That's what they do. Right? But what happens when a spirit is broken? I think I've talked about before uh, a, a movie that my kids like is uh, called Spirit. It's about this, this horse that cannot be broken, right? They, they try to break the horse so that you, you can ride it, so you can listen to it, but this horse will not be ridden. This horse, no matter what people do, no matter how they whip the horse, no matter how badly they treat the horse, even if they don't feed the horse, Spirit is just, right? It's just, that's a terrible horse impression. But Spirit is just, you know, Spirit's going to do his thing. He ain't going to be broken, right? But when it comes to us, finite people, it's only so much you can take, isn't there? Right? Maybe you went into 2020, you know, like, yeah, it's a new year, and then March hits, quarantine, and you're like, okay, I'm a little scared. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's okay. And then, you know, we're we're like in June and we're like, okay, you know, now all these things are happening in the country. There's all these protests and all these things are breaking out. You're like, okay, what's going on here? But you know what? There's kind of hopeful. You know, people are rising up. This is cool, you know? And just more time passes and more stuff happens. And after a while, maybe you hear somebody say, God will deliver you. And you're just like, maybe. I don't know. Can't even listen. That's what happens to the people of Israel. They have a broken spirit. I have to admit, I have to confess to you guys something. I think in many ways, this has happened to me subtly. I I actually kind of thought I was doing pretty well (laughs) throughout the whole pandemic. You know, all things considered. Um, but I was talking to a, a friend of mine um, who, who, who was, you know, talking about how he really felt like God was leading him through a season that was very uncertain. It's actually uh, my, my friend, Pastor Sam Choi. And, um, you know, I, I was telling him, I was like, hey, man, it, it's really cool because you're going through this very uncertain season, but you seem very much at peace. And he's like, yeah, but, but Steve, I don't want to just have peace. I want to have joy. I want to have joy in just knowing that God's going to deliver me. 
right? The excitement. I was like, huh, that's pretty cool. And so we were just talking, right? And in this conversation, uh, Pastor Sam Choi, we're asking him to speak at the Ann Arbor Youth Retreat. Um, it's going to be virtual. It's going to be online, right? We've never done it like this before. Um, and and uh, so, you know, I'm talking to Sam uh, about the retreat, and Sam says this thing that kind of triggers me or sets something off within me. He says, bro, I'm really excited for the retreat. And in that moment, in that moment, just in my heart, I was like, I'm not. I'm not excited for the retreat. I mean, I'm not scared. You know, I wasn't scared of what would happen. I'm just like, eh. It's like a Zoom retreat. You know, it's even a real retreat. You know, my, my greatest hope for the retreat at that point was, I hope nothing goes wrong. You know, I was thinking about our own LGM retreat, you know, that, that's going to happen in January. And I was like, am I excited for that too? And if I'm being really honest, I'm like, man, I, I don't think I'm really excited about anything when it comes to church, when it comes to God. I'm not really excited during this time. You know, when I log on to a prayer meeting, and I just see, you know, a bunch of faces or names, you know, someone's got their camera switched off. You know? And, and I wonder, I wonder if I have lost that sense of wonder in who God is. I, I want to remind myself, and maybe for all of you, who this God is. Let's take a look. He's not just a God who moved back then. He's a God who still moves. He's not just a God who just, you know, says things, but doesn't deliver them. He is a God who delivers on his promises. So let's take a look at, uh, it says, this is one of the, the, the wonders of God, one of the miracles, one of the uh, uh, miraculous things that God does. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. The magicians, so these are uh, uh, Pharaoh's court magicians. They tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So what you see is that uh, uh, there's kind of like this battle, right, between the power of God, the power of Egypt. And actually, one of the times when, when uh, um, uh, Moses throws his staff on the ground and becomes a serpent, the, the, the magicians of Pharaoh are like, oh, we can do that too. You know, they, they turn something into a serpent too. You know? And so there's kind of this face-off, right? It's like dance battle, you know, breakdance battle, but, but with power, right, with miracles, and so, you know, God starts doing these signs and the magicians are like, okay, we can do that too, right? But then some of the signs that God is doing, they can't do it anymore, right? The dust becomes gnats and covers all the land. And the magicians are like, oh, shoot, we don't have that move. We can't do that. And so the magician said to, to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And so it takes many, many times of this dance battle, right, of the power of God until Pharaoh finally listens, where he finally is like, yo, this power is overwhelming. But I, I think it's very interesting, this phrase that the magicians use, right? They actually have pretty great faith in a way. They, they have fear of God. 
they're like, yo, this is God's finger, right? There's actually another time in the Bible um, where Jesus actually uses that. I wonder if Jesus is recalling what uh, God did in Egypt. So this is uh, Luke chapter 11. Um, this is when uh, Jesus cast out a demon. It says, now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Now, so what Jesus is talking about is, again, he talks about power. He talks about kingdoms, right? In Egypt, you have a kingdom battle. All the time, whenever you see the power of God, it's a kingdom battle. And God is proclaiming, whenever you see these miraculous signs, he's like, I want to show you who has the power, who ultimately has the power. You see things of this earth. You see earthquakes and natural disasters. You you see things that are definitely bigger than people. Coronavirus, bigger than people. And we rightfully say we are powerless. Right? Now, don't listen to people who are like, I'm not afraid of coronavirus. It's like, <laughs> go out and try. You should be. You, on your own, you cannot overcome these things. Right? But what about God? What about God? When there's somebody who's possessed by a demon and the family and the people and the person who's possessed are like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything. That's right. They don't have the power. And so, you know, of course, the the, the, uh, people who were threatened by Jesus's power, they're like, ah, it's because Jesus is demon possessed. He's like, oh, no, no. Don't you see? I'm dismantling Satan's kingdom. How, How can a kingdom that is divided against itself, stand. So if I'm casting out demons, you know for sure I'm working for the other side, right? And he says, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Again, he uses that phrase, the finger of God. Guys, I want you to picture this for a moment. Have you ever tried to oppose just a big force, you know, and just like, like, uh, there's like really strong people. I don't know. Maybe you see like some of those strongman competitions and you're trying to move a big force. And that big strong dude, you know, he's maybe like the strongest person on earth, you know, can lift like 400 pounds, ah! you know, but you'll see him try to move something. I've seen some of these things. They'll like move a bus or a truck or something. You're like, whoa. But you know, they'll have this massive, you know, car or a bus or truck. And, and the guy with all his strength is like, Aah! and usually they just kind of like move it just an inch, just, boop. and you're like, wow, look at that. Look at that. But this is what Jesus is saying. Look at the power of God. Demon, little finger, boop, and the demon just, boom, by the finger of God, just touches the dust, the land, and just the whole land is full of gnats. By the finger of God. It's not, it's, it's not stretching God to do that. It doesn't tire him out. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of God in that way? I have to say, brothers and sisters, 
You know, maybe we've just been broken a little bit. You know, I I just want to speak grace to you. I, I think this is a lot of people right now. And just much in the same way that I don't think God is like, what's wrong with you to the people of Egypt or the people of Israel when they're in Egypt and they're being whipped and, and they're being treated so harshly. They're under the yoke of slavery. And I think if I can read into this a little bit, God's like, I know. I know this is hard. I know we're not in the yoke of slavery right now, but I know this is hard. And God knows too. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, I want to say that sometimes when we have moments like this and our spirits are broken, we forget. We get spiritual amnesia. Have there been times where you have seen the finger of God move? You have seen miracles. Maybe it was the first time that you felt spiritual oppression lift from you. The first time that, that you knew that you were loved and you were saved by a holy God. The tears came. And you're like, oh my gosh, God can do anything. Maybe you have had moments like that. But our spirits are broken. We've forgotten that a little bit. I want to encourage you to do something that I know that I have to do during this time. And it is to repent. We've used that word before, right? We have the prayer of repentance every week. But repenting is about changing your mind. And, and you know, that, that's literally what it means. Metanoia, to change the mind. But it's more than that because the mind also implies your emotions, right? It, it's about the whole life, your whole self turning back to God. But in some ways, it is your thoughts. It is these thoughts that we have where we're like, well, okay, God can't do that. I mean, one of the things that I think that I've been sort of uh, uh, noticing is that a lot of times before these events, we'll go into a Zoom event, and I won't really pray about it. Why? Because I just assume that I know what it's going to be. I haven't given room for the finger of God, at least not in my faith, right? I haven't created that faith room to be blown away. I have no expectation of God to do anything because I'm like, well, you know, I kind of know what this is going to be, right? Could we repent? Could we, when we go into a worship service like this, maybe you're sitting in your bed, you know, and, and you're watching the stream right now. And, and, you know, maybe just subtly over time, I mean, you know, it's nothing that's really consciously happened, but just over time, over month after month after month of quarantine and just seeing the economy, seeing your stocks fall, seeing all these things happen and just day after day after day, just everything is blah, everything is the same. You're kind of losing hope and, and, and you don't even really know it. And you come to worship and you have no expectation that God will move. Can we repent? Can we repent? and see in this the potential for the finger of God. I want to tell you a story about Nicholas Herman. He's actually one of my heroes of faith. Nicholas Herman was a French soldier in uh, the 17th century, and he had seen some really horrific things. Talk about a broken spirit, right? Being in war, he had seen bloody, terrible things, people dying, and he was very plagued by this. He was a very disturbed young man. But when Nicholas Herman was 18 years old, he had this spiritual awakening, but it happened in a way that maybe uh, one wouldn't expect. It wasn't a burning bush. It was actually a dead tree. So Nicholas Herman looked at a dead tree 
that just had no leaves on it, was completely withered in the winter. And as he was staring at that tree, he had this realization. He was like, pretty soon, this tree is going to come back to life. God is going to resurrect the tree. The leaves will start budding again. They'll be full and green. And then fruit will start coming. And that was Nicholas Herman's spiritual awakening. Now we call him Brother Lawrence. He wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Talking about just the reality of God everywhere. Nicholas Herman, uh, Brother Lawrence, he would be peeling potatoes and just feel a sense of the goodness of God in all those things. You know, I, I, I sometimes tell people that fall is my favorite uh, season because it's so beautiful, right? All the leaves are turning and changing. And probably you've noticed that just about all the leaves have fallen, right? And, you know, if, if some were just kind of holding on just by, by the very end, the snow's going to finish it off, right? It's like done. I have to say, it's, it's quite beautiful this morning, just seeing the snow on the branches. But maybe you look around at the trees and you're like, ah, you know, you, you get sad. Seasonal affective disorder. That's what they call it, sad, you know? It's like, like, like oh, man, everything's dead and dying, you know? But do you see in this, maybe you can see in this, the potential of the finger of God. When you look at the dead trees, you know, God can and will move. He's done it before. Next spring, I'm telling you, you're going to see full leaves. You're going to see fruit. I'm telling you, you are going to see the wonders of God again. I am telling you that God can move because he has before and he will again. Do you believe that? Can I get an amen? Wherever you are, in your bedroom, and maybe you're, you're, you're somewhere where you can't say it out loud, but can you say it in your heart? Amen, which means, let it be so. Yes. Can you say yes to this truth? I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And, and I just want to take a moment to repent. Maybe to just confess, yes, God, I, I have limited you. I have not thought you capable of turning around my circumstances, turning around coronavirus, turning around the difficult things in my life. Of course, you know, we've heard this before. Brother Young a couple weeks ago talked about this. It's going to be in the timing of God. This is not under our control, but it is in God's control, in his timing, and we can trust in that. Can we learn to trust that again? Can we go into worship just with this sense of awe, even the finger of God can make the nations of the world tremble. Even the finger of God can cast out demons. Even the finger of God can work supernatural miracles. Do you believe it? We have access to the full spirit of God in this place. It is unleashed. Do you believe we can see miracles? Do you believe that God can change any heart? Do you believe that God can move again? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's confess our unbelief. But let's pray for the hope and the faith of what God can do right here, right now. God, we thank you, Lord, so much 
that you are a God of miracles. You are a God of wonders. We confess, Lord, our faith has been too small. We have precluded your miraculous power, thinking we knew what you were capable of, thinking uh, that technology would somehow limit you, that a screen would somehow limit you, that not being in person would somehow limit you. But God, we confess that we were wrong. Yes, you have the power. You are a God of wonders. Show your wonders again in your timing, in your power. God, we thank you, Lord, so much for being a God of wonders and miracles. Lord, show us again your power. Help us, God, to humble ourselves, to place ourselves under your care and your mighty hand again. We know, God, you can make a way. You can make a way, even just by your finger, by your tiniest finger, you can dispel all the darkness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.